Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. This is going to be a rare part three of the Bloody Benders saga. I'm Carrie. I'm Dean. And Dean is going to continue for us. I will. Today, we are going to talk about the Benders on the Run. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a song. It's not. It's first recap. If you haven't listened to the first two, why don't you do that now? Otherwise, the Bloody Benders, horrible family, moved into Kansas in 1871 or so, started murdering people in their little general store slash inn, which was just a 16 by 24 foot cabin. And horrifically, 11 bodies, I think, if I remember correctly, or 11 bodies were found. Eight were buried or something like that on the premises, and right. a few were scattered around and underneath, you know, in rivers and haystacks and things like that. And Don't forget their pit of bloody they, muck. Yes, and they also had a horrific pit of bloody muck in the back of their cabin. They then fled, and it was really not for a few weeks, though, after they fled, the bodies were found. And actually, it was known. So they fled when they were visited by a man named Alexander York and a posse that was looking for the people who were causing these disappearances and these murders, not known as the Benders. And so they kind of, I mean, they, you know, they were right to know that people would eventually find them. But you never know. Right. If they hadn't fled, it could have gone on for quite a while longer. They thought that they were their jig was up, right? Oh. Up. They thought they'd come there, come, and they sh- and the Yorks should have. They, they should have tended to have a bad smell and a swarm of flies yes. in their cabin. So and horrible stains <laughs> on the canvas divider in, in the middle of their cabin. So this part three, the, one, part of the legend of the Benders is that they sort of just disappeared. They fled the scene of their horrific crimes and kind of just swallowed up by the Wild West, never to be seen again. Completely disappeared. A total mystery. That's classic over-mystification of what really happened in reality. That's, that's far from the truth, and we're going to mm. talk about that now. There's some pretty uh, interesting stories along the way. I mean, they were being chased for years. See, I don't think I've ever heard anything beyond the facts of them, you know, people stopping by their place and then disappearing. And then they disappeared, and that's, yeah. that's kind of the end of the story. Yeah. Some, is, oh, some people say, oh, well, they were lynched, you know, soon thereafter, caught by a posse. 100% for sure not true. Hmm. Or the lynch part is ninety nine point nine percent true. That it happened soon after they left is one hundred percent for sure not true. So in fact, it is actually, which is kind of much worse than the legend, is that their general whereabouts and often fairly specific location where they were, and some of the people that they were hiding out with and that were sheltering them were known to the authorities post on the post that went after they had run off from Kansas. Yeah. Part of the legend that is true is that they were never brought to justice, at least not legal justice. We'll talk about that. Okay. So after that early April visit of Alexander York and a couple of the people where the benders, you know, just thought, okay, Kansas, they're going to know, you know, we're acting kind of suspicious here. They've zeroed in on us. They very likely fled that night. Right. And they took their bad wheeled wagon and their horse, and they left for Thayer, Kansas, to catch a train. On the way, like, so they're, they're I, I, presumably they're taking the Osage Mission Trail, and they're heading for Thayer, where they had a train station there, and that headed south into Texas and also in, to, toward the north. They would sort of, you know, they're, they're acting like almost they were already known. For instance, they, it was thought that they ducked 
to the side of the trail whenever somebody passed going the other way. And, and I, I think they, you get the sense that they really thought that the heat was on almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And in fact, though, it wouldn't happen for, I say, about three weeks. So they arrived outside Thayer, Kansas, in southern Kansas. They hid their wagon in the brush. We talked about that before. They left their dog behind. Their dog started following. They kicked it and, and put it in, in the wagon and left it there to Aww. die because they're classy people. And then at that, that point, though, they separated. So mom, pa caught one train, Kate and John caught another train, or they caught the same train from there, but then at a junction, they split up and took right. different trains. Pa and Ma Bender headed north for Missouri. Kate and John headed for a train going south toward Texas. Hmm. Not, not dumb to split up. Not dumb at all. Yeah. No. They were known as, I mean, you know, the word went out and there was descriptions, but they're really just locally notorious. Mm-hmm. So you're just, if, you know, you have the description of four people and here's a description of them, now you just see two of them, you yeah. might be less likely to identify them. Mm-hmm. But again, the heat was not on the benders, not yet. The people of southeastern Kansas in the weeks after Alexander York and company visited the benders, they thought the bad guys were still this gang of roaming bandits and outlaws that yeah. had caused people to, to die, or to disappear, and, until they found the bodies. So again, they had this three-week kind of leeway from when they fled to when they, they actually found and started unearthing the bodies. And during that time, the, the, everybody's still looking for this fictitious right. rom, roaming outlaws. Do you think at the time it was hard for people to believe that women could be involved in something like this? Probably, yeah. And Kate was, yeah, you know... Not super likable in hindsight, but she was very gregarious and yeah. she was very attractive too. Ma was looked on as a witch, so they, that would have been easier. But yeah. not Kate and John was looked on as kind of a, kind of a simpleton. Yeah, you know. So yeah, they weren't the obvious family of horrific murderers. Now, even after they found the bodies of the Benders, resources were wasted looking after what they thought was their kind of fellow band of outlaws. And we'll talk about in a minute how they were kind of this loose-knit subculture of awful people, yeah, outlaws. But I I think they thought that the Benders were part of southeastern Kansas, little outlaw gang, and they really weren't. And so remember James Roach in the town of Lador? Lador was kind of that town in Kansas that was thought of as the hub of wrestlers and thieves, and James Roach was a, a bigwig there that earlier Edward York had accused of being part of the of murdering his brother, William mm-hmm. York, who kind of started this whole thing. So they, they, they arrested several of the Roach family on just various charges that they almost likely were not guilty of. Yeah. And nothing came of that, just sort of wasted everybody's time. The Benders did work within a criminal network, but it was loosely knit. And essentially, this criminal network allowed them to realize the fruits of their thievery, by like fencing and buying stolen goods and things like that. Yeah. But it's unlikely anybody thought, okay, they're murdering people wholesale. Right. So while the authorities were looking in southeastern Kansas for this criminal network they thought the Benders were a, a part of, and again, they kind of were, but not the way they thought. Kate and John, though, had jumped the train heading toward Texas, somewhere along the Arkansas River in what is now Oklahoma, what was then called the Indian Territory that we've mm-hmm. mentioned a couple times. Its status, remember, as Indian Territory meant that there's very, very little white law uh, personnel there yeah. and the Native American personnel, law enforcement could not touch white people, so it made it just a, a criminal haven, and it really was for quite a while. The benders moved freely through 
what was then Indian Territory toward Texas, Kate tucked her hair under a hat and put on men's clothes to disguise oh. herself to pretend to be a man, which must have been really galling. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she thought she was hot. <laughs> she, she and John, she really did. She and John, who again, remember, we don't know. Are they brothers? <laughs> are, they, are, they, are they married? Are they just criminal associates? No one knows. We yeah. never will. She and John made their way to Denison, Texas, that's a, a town north of present-day Dallas. At the time, it was the last rail stop heading south on the rail line. So it became this instant boom town. Yeah. The, train, the, the rail line just sort of stopped there, at least for a, a time. So it just boomed very quickly. When they got there, it was like a year old, Denison. Oh, wow. And there they waited for Mom and Pa Denison to eventually meet up with them. Mom and Pa Bender. Mom and Pa Bender, sorry. <laughs> Mom and Pa Bender, they waited in Denison, and they camped outside of town, which might seem, you know, as a city, as a town. But no, at the time, Denison had very few permanent structures, so people were camping in tents and living in Denison, you know. Mm -hmm. You might have your, you know, you might have tent bars and things like that. Wow. weird. So they, uh, so they're they're camping, probably not glamping, I imagine. So emboldened by the limits of law and order, Kate just dropped her disguise. She didn't even care anymore. John would walk around and, and at the time told people, yeah, I'm John. My name is John Bender. Told people his actual real name in Denison. Yeah. I mean, what kind of communication would there have been? They knew they in- were going. They knew they had a bunch of bodies on evidence. They knew there yeah. would be very, very, there would be rewards for them, things like that. It's surprising. Yeah. But, you know, Texas was so lawless. Yeah. And people just kind of kept to themselves and kept their mouths shut, even if someone was a criminal, for the most part, that they felt you know, pretty safe in being fairly honest yeah. about who they were. It was, and later when the story broke, the bodies were found, it became big news. So the newspapers all throughout the whole region and the country were, were talking about it and writing about it. Kate read the story in the local papers there in Denison, and she was bitterly disappointed that they didn't find her name in the news. So it just, it's just wow. that, you know, yeah. bodies were found and she wasn't, she wasn't an instant star. She really wanted to be kind of this glamorous criminal star. Yeah which is already a thing, sickeningly, and still is. John Jr., again, as I mentioned, would, would mention his real name sometimes, and he'd even talk about how they intended to head west, out into the wilder, more frontier parts of Texas, mm-hmm. which they did and was true and was their true intent and, and would do. So West Texas was full of lawless Types. It had a lot of Native Americans still. Many they were still attacking white settlements and white travelers at the time. Mm. So a local who we'll hear about in a minute in Denison said, "Oh, you you don't want to go to that area, especially if a woman. That's no place for a right. woman." Who knew? You know, Kate was a murderous psychopath. John said, "Quote: My old folks reckon there's money to be made selling goods to those desperate types," which was very true. Mm-hmm. Critical. So, so it sounds like they planned on doing that again, reestablishing themselves somewhere in the frontier yeah. as the same thing they had done. Yeah. Critically, the Bender's criminal circle did reach down into Texas. Again, they were part of this kind of loosely knit outlaw subculture of thieves and fences and wrestlers and the type. And one of those guys was a psychotic from Kansas, from Parsons, Kansas, were very near where, where the Benders were. His name was Frank McPherson. He, back in Parsons, Kansas, had attempted to rape a baker's wife. When that baker caught him, he then beat the baker into a coma and was arrested for assault, let out on bail the next morning 
the baker died, making it murder. He fled. He was caught and tracked by a lawman, but was able to escape that lawman, and he headed for Texas. So he and he was in Denison, Texas, when the Benders got there. So the mm-hmm. Benders kind of hooked up with their old confederate. He was part of that southeastern Kansas criminal underground, and now he was part of, of the Texas growing criminal underground. Or in Texas, it was pretty above ground. John and Kate left Denison with Frank McPherson, and they went west, just like they said they were going to, towards a place called Red River Station. Red River Station is a settlement along the Chisholm Trail. I heard of the Chisholm Trail. Yep. It was the main cattle driving trail from south to north. It was, Because Red River was a major station along that trail, it had become, naturally enough, a haven, a magnet for cattle rustlers and some real bad folk. But it was also a gateway it's kind of the gateway to the even worse places out in west, further west in Texas that, again, as I mentioned, were like dangerous to go Yeah, at the time. And a lot of bad types were there. The Benders, by the way, left Denison on May 5th. That was the same day authorities back in Kansas had first discovered a smell of death in the cellar in the back of the Benders cabin. Okay. They'd been in Texas for a while, mm-hmm. but now they're heading towards, they're trying to lay low to a certain extent, and now they're going to a place where they think the law can't catch them. And in a, in, in a real way, they were right. Alexander York would never forgive himself for not realizing that the benders were bad. And he kind of wrote them off after the visit to the cabin, when if he had, you know, smelled a rat, like Thomas Beers would say later that he yeah. was highly suspicious if, if York could say, you know what? These guys need some further investigation. They could have had a posse out there in no time and searched around the cabin with their consent or not, mm-hmm. and they would have been caught immediately. So he would never forgive himself for that error of his, though he would also never stop hunting them. He never gave up trying to bring them in. Well, that's good. Yeah. He hired a guy at the time here named Colonel Charles Peckham. I think he knew him in the Civil War. He joined, Peckham joined Thomas Beers, the private detective, in and essentially the York, Alexander York, kind of funded them to keep searching for the uh, benders. So Beers and Peckham are searching for the benders, and they're going to soon go down into Texas in, in search of them. They're going to hear some, some rumors, mm-hmm. right? They were able to track them through a really interesting item. Is it's, Ever heard of a dog hair anything, actually? You ever heard of dog hair? No, like, well, like leather? No. Like, well, the Benders had a dog hair traveling trunk. And that was something that was not completely unknown decades before. But it would, by this time, by the 1870s, it was considered pretty nasty and gross and uncommon. So that cost them because it was so identifiable. Is it really made out of dog? D- truly made out of dogs. Uh. And it had a, a dog, a, literally a dog hair trunk. Big so it's trunk like dog skin, of, basically. Dog skin, but you'll, you'll see. Yeah. Uh, a rail worker remembered that trunk when descriptions of the benders made the rounds to the different rail stations. Uh-huh. Another rail worker remembered that Kate and John, without Mom and Pa now, had caught a train to Texas. So now oh. authorities know that at least Kate and John had headed into Texas. Peckham Mears took a train down to Denison in Texas. Again, that Denison was the, the end of the line. They figured that's where they'd go. But when they got to Denison, their investigations just didn't turn anything up. It's kind of a closed mouth, you know, right. don't yeah. talk about, even, even when those people you're not talking about are horrific, murderous psychos. Yeah. Still, early on, the authorities know pre- already they're somewhere over here in, in West Texas. Mm-hmm. And 
they knew even more about Ma and Pa. They knew exactly where Ma and Pa had headed to because that pair had bought tickets to St. Louis. And someone somewhere at the station where they bought the tickets to St. Louis had noticed that awful dog hide trunk because, quote, it still had the hairs on it. So Ma and Pa took the trunk when the four of them split up and then they went uh. to a different station. They bought their ticket to St. Louis. And because they had that dog hide trunk, said, oh, my God, yeah, I do remember those guys. They had their horrific trunk. Um, I overheard them or I saw them. Or maybe it was the, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was the ticket seller. I said, yeah, they bought two tickets heading towards St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, this is okay. to the north. Beers, then, Thomas Beers, he was a private detective. He remembered that Kate had spoken about an aunt in St. Louis. He just, you know, he just recalled that from when they had been interrogating them. The, them. Yeah. So they tracked down that aunt in St. Louis. They found oh. her. They went to her house. She did admit that she was Pa's sister. Okay. It had now, however, been weeks, remember, since they had chased them away by showing up at the Bendis door in that early April afternoon. They had been, the, the mom and pa had been there with this poor lady. They had been horrible guests, terrible, terrible people, but I guess she just felt duty-bound to, mm-hmm. to keep them on. And then the day the stories came out about the bodies being discovered yeah. in Kansas... Boom, they bolted. They were gone. Really? She said, the aunt, the sister of Paul, claimed that, well, I didn't tell the authorities, even though she's reading the paper. She knows that her, her brother is a murderer. Right. She said, I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know where they went. They didn't tell me where they're going, so I didn't feel like I had to tell anybody, which is yeah, kind of bullshit. The search, by the way, was hampered by something we know from the present day, still do, multiple jurisdictions. Yeah. In this case... Also, no one wanted to pony up. No one wanted to pay for the search. It was expensive. And these local yeah. governments didn't have a lot of money, and they're very tight. They're very yeah. low tax. And it's not their crime. It's I mean, not, it's yeah. Governor Osborne of Kansas. Remember, Kansas, the whole state was in an uproar about this. The so governor of Kansas, he did wind up offering a $5,000 reward for the capture of the benders. However, it required that the family be delivered to Kansas authorities in Labette, Kansas. So oh. you, it's on your dime. You right. do everything you need to do. If you get all, the four benders here, bring them to the bet. We'll give you 5000 bucks. So it's essentially a bounty. It, it is. And not a very, you know, really, yeah. you know, bring them back to the bet. How's, that's, how's that going to work? That'll be a, a tough train ride. The Yorks, the York family, meanwhile, did foot the bill for Beers and Peckham to do their searches. But otherwise, the search kind of stalls here because the, the bounty's just not... The, the, the demands of the bounty are, bounty are pretty onerous, and it's just two guys. It's just Peckham and Beer is poking yeah. around Texas asking about this family, so it kind of stalls. Then, later in the year, help, this is I still, I, I imagine late 1873, it might be 1874 by now, I'm not positive. Help comes in the form of a guy named Albert Owens. Remember the back in Denison, Texas, where uh, John Jr. was talking about what they're heading to West Texas, and yeah. someone kind of said, hey, that's that's crazy, that's a tough country. Well, yeah. that person was Albert Owens. He ran a boarding house, and he just, you know, over the time that John Jr. was there in Denison, they had, they had spoken. Yeah. And when the crimes were revealed, he read about them in the paper, he realized who that person was that he had talked to. So on his own dime, he took a train up to Parsons, Kansas, and he said, hey, I need to talk to anyone involved in the search for the Bender families, I know the Bender family. I know something. So he was directed back to Leroy Dick. He was the kind of the somebody in Cherryvale, Kansas, that had been part of the group that had discovered the bodies. 
And so he got into, so Owens got in touch with Leroy Dick, and word went out. They got word at Peckham and Beers. Hey, you need to talk to this. Come back to Kansas from Texas. You need to talk to this person who knows something about where John was. Mm-hmm. So they do. They get a train, head back to Kansas. On the train trip back, Beers is just talking to people. Again, these people go back and forth. They're right. like, hey. He, so he asked a baggage handler, hey, have you seen anybody in the past month or so with a dog hide trunk? And the porter said, oh, oh, oh yes, sir. Belonged to an old Dutch couple come through about a week ago. So mom and pa, when they left Missouri, we now knew, and searchers now now knew, that mom and pa had gone back to Texas, okay. clearly to join John right. and, and, Kate. and Kate. So so again, they now, all four of them are reunited back in Texas at this, early on, they know this. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know it's still really hard to get them, but it just seems like, good Lord, it's crazy. <laughs> I and mean, this is, how are they not able to actually lay hands on them? And, and, and remember, it was known to locals, uh, you know, it, but the lawlessness of the frontier and help in hiding from the, that loose criminal network yeah. made them virtually untouchable. So now we, we have kind of a fixer into the story, and he's, he's going to be an important part because he's also going to help the bender stay free. Remember Frank McPherson? He was the psychotic that was hanging out with Kate and John and traveling with them and, and hiding with them. They're, yeah. they're all wanted. Uh, Frank McPherson had a slightly more respectable brother named William. The McPhersons, in fact, were kind of a well-to-do family from Missouri and a very, a fairly respectable well-to-do family, even though Frank was a psychotic. And William, it turns out, was a fence, a thief. He had some other semi-legitimate businesses, but he was a criminal as well. He was just yeah. much more well-spoken, personable. He went by the name of Missouri Bill. People called him Missouri Bill. Uh-huh. And he was this huge guy. He was like 6'3 and giant, you know, just rotund, I guess, but kind of a big, intimidating guy, but much friendlier and outgoing and personable than Frank the Psycho was, who had, you know, a psycho's eyes. Yeah. Missouri Bill, though, was also cold and calculating, and he was indeed part of a criminal ring that included the Benders. In fact, he had been the main fence for the Benders since 1872. Wow. So he had been a key criminal contact. So now they're going back to Texas where Missouri Bill is too, and Frank is too, and they're and they're those people are helping them lay low. Yeah. Missouri Bill got all four re- reunited benders to a safe place. Kind of like he had them camp in a in a safe place out in I think by at this point by Red River Station in preparation for them, you know, heading further west into the wilder country. And when they're out there, hide, you know, hiding, he hears through a local corrupt sheriff that these guys from Kansas are looking for the benders here in Texas. So he tells the benders, you know what, go into Indian Territory, hang out there and lay low for a while. I'll tell you when the coast is clear. Meanwhile, Peckham and Beers hear about, you know, they're on the trail of the benders. They hear where they are. They wire the governor of Kansas said, we need 500 bucks. We know where they've gone. They've gone into lawless West Texas. Send us 500 bucks. We'll go after them. Yeah. The governor does. Sends the money with all these stipulations like it's only to be spent in la, 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 you know, <laughs> super, you know, restrictive. Yeah. Still, at least they have some resources to go head into West Texas to go find the benders. And out there, they hear about William McPherson, about big Missouri Bill, and his kind of connection to the Benders. So they go to him, a little naively, I think, in hindsight. And yeah. again, he, was, he had this sort of veneer, though. If you didn't know he's a criminal, kind of a semi-criminal kingpin, you'd think he's a, a semi-respectable businessman. Yeah. And they, that's who they thought he was. And so and he's right then, he's in Red River Station. And so Missouri Bill says, oh, yeah, I know those guys are. In fact, I think I know where they've gone. I'll help you find them. 
I'm Missouri Bill. I'm a good guy. This is where what's mostly a very sad story turns almost farcical. For days, Missouri Bill pretends to be asking around the area, uh-huh. helping them search for the benders. You know, let me let me check my contacts. He knows exactly where they are. He sent them right. up to in, in the interior. They're not even in Texas at this point. Yeah. Supposedly, he hears through his sources that those wanted outlaws have headed out into the wilds of the Llanos country in West Texas. And so he says, let's go. I'll be your guide. So Beers and Peckham go with Missouri Bill into the wilds of West Texas. They basically set out into a dangerous territory with a very dangerous man searching for very dangerous people and have no idea what the hell is actually happening. Yeah. It's pretty sad. The three men, they spent weeks, I think several weeks, out in this wild country against Caldeanos. It's There's uh, you know dangerous native tribes out there. There's dangerous outlaws out there. It's very sparsely populated. Even recently, some white settlers had been murdered recently yeah. by, by uh, Native Americans. And it takes them weeks before they grow a little bit, a tad suspicious. Yeah. I think, really? So uh, Missouri Bill says he goes out ahead to sort of scout, and they take that opportunity and ditch him. Oh, okay. And they head back to civilization. When they get back to civilization, you know, semi-civilization, I should say, they find out, it's in Montague County, that the sheriff of Montague County is a in league with Missouri Bill. He's part of his criminal confederacy and they had been taken for a ride. Yeah. So they had wasted weeks of effort, $500 of Kansas money. And there's nothing they can do about it, Not right? There's no Yeah. It's a very, again, this is a very, it's a very corrupt. Yeah. Texas was super corrupt. It was totally frontier. Again, it was dangerous frontier country. Uh, absolutely nothing they can do about it. Yeah. So Peckham went home. Back to Kansas, he you know he had business interests. He couldn't do this forever. Beers, he stayed in Texas, just kind of poking around, see what he can see. His a- efforts actually got him on the trail of the Benders again. And Frank McPherson, he found out they were in the Indian Territory, mm-hmm. and they'd been. He found out where they'd been camping by a little settlement called Mud Creek. So he hired a guide, went out there as fast as he could. When he found this out, they got to that little settlement. They even got to the campsite of the Benders and McPherson. Yeah, they left less than a week ago. Ah, oh, nuts. Yeah, the Benders had left Indian Territory. They'd gone to Clay, Clay County in Texas. And again, this is another place where West Texas were hostile Native Americans. They would leave their recently forced reservations to wreak havoc among the very few white immigrants in, in the area. Uh, but still, Beers was always just kind of a step or two behind they were able to trace them throughout their little you know, stops and, and where they were traveling through uh, West Texas. And, and meanwhile, they would hide. They would sometimes do raids. They would sometimes trade in stolen goods. They were, but they're, and they were living very rough. It was a rough life. Yeah. But they were used to rough lives. Yeah. Was, so the authorities are, are after them still, hot on the trail. They still have a reward after them. They still are, are wanted outlaws. So once at a camp in Henrietta, Texas, an associate of the vendors asked John, Aren't you afraid of being caught? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're always kind of one step ahead, but they're after you still. And he laughs in a weird, in his very off-putting, weird, shrill way. And he said, quote, no, law don't like it past Red River Station. And folks out here mind their own business. And he was absolutely right. Yeah. That antagonism towards the law and towards government, this real laissez-faire kind of attitude, absolutely allowed white criminals to live pretty freely. There's no question, including people as horrific as the benders. Uh, 
Until someone thinks, I'm going to collect me that $5,000. That happens quite a bit, yes. Yeah. But in this case, you would literally have to capture them yeah. alive, bring them back somehow yourself. I mean, think about that. Uh, do they have to be alive? I, you know, I, 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 it, I would think so. The way I, I read it is like it, that offer was considered just a joke. No huh. one's going to do that. It's so dangerous that huh. no one even entertained the idea. I mean, I, you know, Beers and, and, and Peckham were hired to go after them, but and, but they were considered a little nuts. Yeah. And, and they were in danger quite a bit. They could have been killed at any time. Hmm. Beers, he kept at it until August of 1873, so which is only a few months after the discovery. And he again got close to the benders in Clay County at Henrietta, and he found out they had been, been there about two weeks before him, but they had since moved on. Again, they sort, of, they sort of go a little further towards civilization and then move on west to more frontier times, which is just, just yeah. no chance of getting them out there. Yeah. And finally, Governor Osborne, now up for re-election in Kansas, cuts off any funding whatsoever. So for all intents and purposes, the search is over yeah. in late 1873. But the world wasn't done with the benders. They had become legends, outlaw legends, sort of, that, you know. It's yeah. sickening to think about. Still happens all the time. Yeah. It was a big part of the 19th century, especially the West, the wild, wild West. There was lots of people who kind of uh, latched on and kind of looked for them to kind of become famous. One of those persons who had been part of the, the posse kind of looking for them was a, a guy named James Sullivan. He had joined one of some of the early Bender searches in, in Texas. But he kind of just wouldn't let it go, even after it kind of petered out. Uh-huh. He was still, he still wanted to, he just said, I can do this. I think I can. So he went back to Kansas and he wrangled a promise of a pardon for Frank McPherson oh. if he could get that outlaw to give up the benders. So he thought, he told the governor, give me a pardon for Frank McPherson. I'll take that pardon to Frank McPherson and he will turn on the benders and give me the benders. Yeah. The governor said, here you go wrote him up a pardon for Frank McPherson under those circumstances. And so uh, Sullivan goes back into Texas and he arranges a meeting with Frank in Henrietta, which is again, like uh, one of those gateway to the wilder places towns. It's a pretty wild place itself. He has the pardon on him in hand. But it's conditioned on giving up the vendors. Yes. So he meets with the Missouri Bill, remember, who was Frank McPherson's Mm -hmm. brother, and to to essentially arrange this. And Missouri Bill says that Oh, I, I'm sorry. So he's meeting with the Missouri Bill, and apparently John Bender is in town. And John Bender hears from someone else that, hey, this guy searching for you is right uh-huh. now having a meeting with, with Missouri Bill. In fact, I think he just left. So he goes, I want to see this guy. John does, John uh-huh. Jr. And he goes, so he goes into you know town. I think they're camping outside of town. He goes into town in Henrietta. He finds out where James Sullivan is, and James mm-hmm. Sullivan is in a tailor shop making a purchase, I don't know, buying some handkerchiefs. Yeah. And he, so he just like fades into the background and watches him in the store, John Jr. does. Yeah. And he makes his purchase and he sees this guy <laughs> in the shadow and tips his cat to him politely and says bye to him. That was John oh Jr. And he walked right by him. James Sullivan set out with Missouri Bill who said, hey, guess what? I'll help you find the benders out there in West Texas. Ring a bell? Sound familiar? He does. So they yeah. do that again. Now Sullivan goes out by himself with the Missouri Bill, leaving Red River Station. After a few weeks later, Missouri Bill returns to Red River Station alone. Mm-hmm. James Sullivan was never seen again. 
you can imagine what happened. He yes, turned, I he can. He turned him over. He probably t- my my guess is he turned him over to the vendors who did yeah. or Frank McPherson to do what they wanted with him. There's another guy named Samuel Merrick. He was actually an outlaw, one of that outlaw confederacy that had spent time with the vendors, mm-hmm. even even laying low with them. He was arrested. I think up, I can't remember where it was up north somewhere. He said, "Hey, the vendors, notorious. I know where they are. I can help you find them. Pardon me, and I will." help you find them yeah. in Texas. So the authorities said, you know, uh, he, I guess he gave them some hints of where he thought they might be. The authorities kind of act on the, this, this intel, but nothing came of it. And they just kind of hemmed and hawed with him until 1880, his whatever, six-year sentence or something like that, uh, ran up. Oh. And he said, okay, bye. Yeah. And he left prison and never seen again. Jeez. In 1884, an old man was arrested in Montana. And he was accused of having murdered a man in Idaho. Someone said, hey, doesn't this old guy look a little bit like Pa Bender, that notorious Mm. murderer from Kansas? And hey, you know, the guy he murdered in in Idaho, he was hit in the head with a hammer. So Montana authorities have him in prison. They've got him on charge of murder in Kansas. I'm sorry, in Idaho, but they call Kansas and say, we might have Pa Bender. So this is obviously days before... I guess anything. So, yeah. so essentially, Kansas has to send a sheriff's deputy tr- from Cherryvale, I think. Yeah. To tra- travel to Montana. Yeah. And ID him. Yeah. I guess a sheriff's deputy who must have seen the Bendis personally, those are now 11 years after they had gone. Oh, wow. I know. So, why that's being done and why that sheriff's deputy is going to Montana, this criminal, whoever he was in Montana, he was chained, he cut yeah. off his foot. Oh. To get try to get out of a chain and escape. He was not able to escape, so he bled to death. Oh, I was gonna say, I don't see that ending well. It's a terrible coyotes okay. might do it, but people shouldn't. Yeah. The sheriff's deputy gets there, but by the time he got there, the body was so decomposed <sighs> that he couldn't say yes or no whether it was Paul Bender. It almost certainly wasn't. It, it, yeah. It, it could have been. This is 1884 by now. It very likely wasn't. Yeah. And it, despite this, though, some bar owner got a hold of the body in Idaho and he Got the man's skull, defleshed it, and put it up and called it, hey, that's the skull of Paul Bender yeah. in his bar all the way up to Prohibition when he shut down. Jeez. The worst Bender hunt, though, was undoubtedly incited by a woman named Frances McCann. This is in 1889, so it's 16 years after the Benders had fled Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. She was a grown woman now, but had been a, a child during the time of the Bender Spree, and she had grown up in an orphanage in Kansas. I'm sorry, she had grown up for, for her first few years of life in Kansas, was orphaned, and then sent to an orphanage in Iowa. I guess they didn't have any in Kansas. I don't know how that works. So she came back to Kansas as an adult, got married, I think started a family, and became just fascinated by the Bender case. It's now the late 1880s, 1889, when we catch up with her. She was a short, fiery woman who believed <laughs> she had psychic powers of clairvoyance and healing, oh. which again, does well, that remind you of yeah. someone? Frances met a woman calling herself Sarah Eliza Davis. Sarah was a single mother living in Kansas. So Frances, I, I took pity on her and gave her a job, kind of a charity job. Just, I, I, I think just helping her around the house, right? Yeah. Turns out though that Sarah was this nasty, just a really unpleasant person, and she was very evasive about her past. So somehow Francis becomes convinced that, hey, she must be hiding a criminal past. 
Right. And then Francis says, here's Francis's story. She says she has a dream. In this dream, Sarah was involved in a murder. And she goes and tells Sarah this, hey, I just had this dream, Sarah. You were involved <laughs> in a murder. And according to Francis, Sarah freaked out. And she goes, oh my God, Francis, that was no dream. Oh, that was sure. all real. You were having a memory. What you just described, Francis, was a real murder. And it was the murder of your father. You were four years old. You were oh, there. No. And guess what? I was there too. All this is Francis saying what yeah. Sarah said to her after uh -huh. she told her about the dream. Francis then becomes, of course, convinced that Sarah is, in fact, Kate Bender, right. the notorious murderer from Kansas who murdered her father back around the right time. Could she be? So Sarah is like, you know, she's, she's openly accusing yeah. her employee, ex-employee, I imagine, of being Kate Bender. So Sarah says, I'm out. And she goes back to Michigan. She, she flees to Michigan. Francis tracks her down. I think hired a private detective wow. to track her down and find out where she's staying in Michigan. And then she would go up to Michigan. Francis would abandon her family for months at a time, tracking down, harassing, following, accusing Sarah Eliza Davis up in Michigan. Wow. Yeah. She, and, and Sarah, again, was, was no, you know, she was a quarrelsome, horrible woman by all accounts, but still, and we'll, we'll hear a little more about her. In Michigan, Sarah lived with her mother, Almira Monroe, who was an equally obnoxious person. Almira had had several ex-husbands, a lot of children scattered around the state, and both were kind of petty criminals, and just honestly, by again, by every account I read, were, not to besmirch them, but were pretty terrible people. <laughs> besmirch? Yeah. I think they're thoroughly besmirched. Yeah, they, I suppose they are, but Still, Francis wrote to Labette County and says, hey, I have found Kate, and guess what? I also found Ma Bender. They're mother and daughter living in Michigan. They have these fake names, <sighs> and, you know, let's get them. The authorities in Kansas, surprisingly, I don't know, took it pretty damn seriously. Yeah. So they went and they found Leroy Dick, who knew them both, and they showed Leroy Dick a picture of Almira, and he said, oh, my God. That's, That's Ma Bender. What resulted was a legal fiasco yeah. for everyone. It was a shit show. Accused of being the Benders, the two women then start accusing each other of being that relevant Bender, but right. also insisted they were not the other Bender. So you heard that right again. So, so Sarah said, yes, my mother, Amira, is Ma Bender, but me, Sarah, I'm not... Kate. Kate Bender, yeah. uh, Ma Bender's daughter, even though I am Her Elmira's daughter. actual daughter. It's baffling. And to make it worse, Elmira said the exact same thing about Sarah. So they both told these ridiculous, absurd, impossible stories. Well. How could that be? That can't well, have Elmira could have, I mean, Ma Bender could have more than one daughter. Yeah, I, I, but I don't think that's not, not what Sarah was Kate Bender of. couldn't have I, I don't think Sarah was more than one mother. No, you're so. right. You're right. Uh, well, what people thought, though, kind of naturally, was that, okay, you're both lying. You're yeah. mom and pa Bender. So yeah. a lot of people liked that. A lot of people were thinking that at the time. And countless locals who lived in southeastern Kansas during the time of the Bender's reign of terror were naturally brought forward for a hearing in Oswego, Kansas. So the two women were taken to Oswego. And essentially that hearing would decide if indeed they were the benders 
If they were, they'd be tried for the murder of William York. Okay. So that hearing was awesome. Complete farce. The women took turns again accusing each other. Yeah. And then they'd promptly retract those accusations. They would blatantly be caught in numerous obvious lies. Yeah. They were always very obstinate. Sometimes like trying to be helpful, but always obnoxious and just super argumentative. And just once Almira, for instance, was, was asked about having been married to a man named John Flickinger. Leroy Dick thought John Flickinger might be Pa Bender. That was one of Amira's legit ex-husbands. Okay. And her answer was, I've been married so many times, it's no good trying to remember them all. (laughs) So she wouldn't answer a straight question. Yeah. They were just awful people. Most of the witnesses brought forward did not think that the two women were the Benders. Yeah. Some, though, even besides Leroy Dick, did, however, say, yeah, I'm, you know, they might be the Benders. The newspapers thought it was complete nonsense. Yeah. They thought it was they, clearly these two Michigan women were not the Benders. They didn't resemble them at all. So but remember Billy Toll. Billy Toll was the neighbor who had actually found the abandoned cabin, smelled the smells, and went and told people who then did the search. He kind of started yeah. the discovery of it. He knew them very well. He thought neither of them was anything remotely Ma or Kate. He said, quote, apart from the height... There's nothing similar about Kate and Mrs. Davis, Sarah Eliza Davis. They asked him, okay, well, what about Elmira? He says, that old woman don't resemble Mrs. Bender at all. She was way smaller than Ma Bender. She spoke perfect, unaccented English. Ma Bender not only didn't speak unaccented English, she didn't speak English at all. She only knew German, and she had never... Well, she could have learned it in the last 12 years, but... She had never showed any the intelligence or desire to learn English, and she wouldn't have spoken it without an accent. It's just physically impossible. Yeah. a, you know, a great English actor, or, or Australian. They can mm-hmm. all do great American accents. So stunningly, at the end of the hearing, the court said... Guilty. Not guilty, <laughs> but we think your ma and pa... I'm sorry, we think your ma and Kate Bender, yeah. you will now stand trial for the murder of William York. Oh, okay. The newspapers were like just stunned. Like, are you serious? Yeah. This is clearly not the case. The lawyer for Sarah was, uh, by the way, working for free, apparently, I read in one source. Yeah. He was he did famous amazing case, due diligence. Right? It, it yeah. was a famous case. I'm sure that was even then, but so, but he kept at it. Yeah. He, so they had this time before the trial started. So they're held, you know, they're remanded, whatever. They, they're right. indicted for the murder of William York. He uses that time. He tracks down a man in Michigan. He's traveling to Michigan on his own dime. And he finds a guy who said, yeah, I rented a home to Almira for most of 1871. That was the period when, when Ma Bender was for sure in Kansas helping murdering people. Right. More importantly, he went to the state of Michigan. He was able finally to track down their incarceration records of Almira. She was proven to have been in jail in Michigan during much of the time that Ma Bender would have had to have been in Labette oh. County, Kansas. So it turns out she concealed this yeah. out of just pride Right. You know, I don't even know about her prison record, but yeah. it was her prison record that gave her a now infallible alibi right. and got her off. It really allowed her to escape being hung because there's a decent chance they would have been found guilty. And, and since they're more or less a team, they realized, okay, if one of if that's is, not Ma, yeah. that can't be Kate, that right. is her daughter. So they essentially dropped charges against both of them when Amira was proven that she could not have been Ma Bender. Yes. Despite this, mm. our old hero, Leroy Dick, and our new hero, Francis McCann, the psychic busybody, mm-hmm. they would always remain convinced that that was indeed Ma and Kate 
bender. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say they took him and lynched him or something like yeah, that. They, they should have been. Something. They were awful. Well, no, there's no. Do excuse. they kill people? Intelligent people. Every every. I mean, just everybody who knew them, who really really knew them. And just common sense tells you that there's no chance that that could have been Ma and Kate Bender. No, I know. But I thought you were going to say that some they came and lynched the women anyway, even oh, after no, no. they were. No, 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 no. Leroy Dick and Francis McCann always remain convinced that those women really were right. the Benders. That's it. No one else did, or very few others did. Even so, going so far as to say that oh, those prison records that proved that Almira was in prison—they're forgeries. Yeah. Fake news. Ten years later, when the Benders were supposedly seen in Colorado, McCann, Frances McCann, would write a, her local paper saying, oh, I know for a fact that can't be them because I found them back in 1889. And by the way, I'm still waiting for my $2,000 reward money. She thought she was owed <laughs> that money for the rest of her life. Some of her friends thought she was insane. Yeah. I'm going to go with B. Yeah, me too. Sarah and Elmira went back to their awful, awful lives. They received no recompense or even an apology from the state of Kansas for their ordeal. Yeah. But they got some free train rides. The fiasco had cost Labette County $1,300 back wow. then. So it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. The end of the line was in all likelihood somewhere out on in west, west Texas, maybe into New Mexico. So later rumors had the benders moving as far even as Arizona. And they were, uh, you know, accused of being like, oh, yeah, they're stealing horses and trading stolen horses and mules or something like that out in Arizona or out in New Mexico or on the Texas-New Mexico border. One story had them that they were kind of in cahoots with a band of Mescalero Apaches on the Texas-New uh, Mexico border as, as outlaws, essentially. Yeah. And that in real life, the Texas Rangers ambushed that group in 1881, killing all of them. So if the oh. benders were... Part of that group is possible they died in 1881. Yeah, the I don't think they you know ID'd the bodies. I don't yeah. know. The Benders you know may have also moved into Colorado again. A lot of people because Frank McPherson would later move back to Colorado, and people thought oh maybe they followed Frank McPherson into Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. As late as 1910, an old woman made a deathbed confession in California. Now that she was Kate Bender. Another woman, a former bordello madam named Kathy Peters, also in California, in Sacramento, as a matter of fact, oh. said on her deathbed, I'm Kate Bender, and died. Neither were, for wow. almost certainly. They, neither one yeah. kind of really resembled her. So you know, anytime people say, oh, deathbed confessions, those are uh, true, 100% yeah. not. 99.9% yeah. .9 are complete bullshit, which just seems weird. Like, oh, and you're, you're dying. What do you care? That's what you care about. Yeah. Fake glory. Yeah, and glory is a word, so just... <laughs> your favorite author, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm -hmm. She's not really your favorite author, is no, she? No, she's okay. not. She wrote... Little House on the Prairie Little House series. on the Prairie. The books that Little became House the... Little House in the Big Woods. Really super boring TV show. It was called Little House in the Big Woods? Well, that was one of the books. Oh. There were, it was a series of books. Oh, okay. Really? Mm -hmm. Was there one called Little House on the Prairie? Yeah. Must have been. I'm pretty That's sure. That's what the TV show is called. Yeah. With Michael Lannett had the hair of a werewolf. Yeah. His entire life. I never read the books. I think my sister might have had some of them, hmm. perhaps. She, Laura Ingalls Wilder, claimed that as a girl, her family had visited the infamous Bender Murder House 
Yeah. And, you know, I guess almost implied, you know, narrow escape. Who knows? They might have been targets of, of the, the evil benders. She further implied that her father had been part of a posse that had lynched the murderous family soon after they fled. These things were demonstrably false. Yeah. Laura Ingalls Wilder would have been four years old when her family moved to Kansas, and her family moved to Kansas two years before the benders had actually got there and left, you know, before the benders ever even moved into Kansas. Yeah. So despite the fact that it was, it was clearly not true, she would bring this up on her lecture circuit quite frequently, yeah. just, which is kind of weird and sad and gross. Yeah. But typical of memoirs. I guess she never really wrote it. Her daughter wrote about it and claimed, in fact, her daughter may have made it up and her mom just sort of adopted it. Oh, as, really? That's true. Yeah, that's, that's one theory. Uh, throughout the hunt for the Benders, in the decades that followed after they fled Kansas, there were persistent rumors that they were dead, and the reason they were dead is because they were lynched or murdered by some kind of a posse led by or funded by Alexander York. That was a very persistent rumor for a long time. People just assumed, yeah. oh, no, York took care of them. Yeah. We know what happened to the Benders. They were killed. They're long, long dead. There's all kinds of variations. Some have them being hung. Some have them being shot. But in f- some fashion... This rumor, very persistent rumor, had the group being, you know, dealt with by frontier justice. Yeah. And the bodies were just, you know, buried where no one else would ever find them. Alexander denied that to his dying day. Yeah. But you think, you know, he, but he not only denied it, and why wouldn't he just stay, you know, quiet? But he also kept funding attempts by Beers and yeah. Peckham and others, too, to go find the the benders and we know that we know for sure the benders lasted at least a couple of years after they fled so yeah. it's it's almost certain that the rumor was untrue but sadly that rumor and its persistence and its acceptance led sometimes a law enforcement kind of half-assing searches for the benders a yeah. lot of enforcement people will say no now i've heard they're dead why should we go spend money hunting dead people well and after a decade you would think maybe the older two are already dead and well, like I said, who knows? Yeah, yeah. mom pocket. We the yeah. simple fact is we have no idea. No yeah. one knows where they they met their end. Yeah, we, th- there they do get lost. So we know that they're hanging out in Indian territory in West Texas for a time. After that, it does become rumors and innuendo, and we just don't know. So in that yeah. sense, the key difference though is that people knew where they were, and seemingly could have could have got them for quite a while and multiple times. And, and they were never captured, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. And there's also the fact that we don't know who they were. John Jr., for instance, is often identified as a man named John Gebhard, a German immigrant. So, uh, again, Pa Bender was sometimes, is sometimes said to be John Flickinger. There's a lot of, um, oh, like, websites and sources like that who just say flat out, oh, you know, Ma, uh, Ma Bender was Elvira something or other, or sometimes Almira something, which, and, yeah. and that... Um, uh, Kate was Sarah Davis or some variation of that. That's that's clearly getting mucked up with right. the case, yeah. the case of Sarah, the Sarah Davis and Amira Monroe, her mom and dad. So yeah. I, th- that's not who they were. It's it's annoying. Some sources say Paul was John Flickinger. Again, that's one of Almira's ex-husbands. He wasn't mm, John Flickinger. That's right. So we don't know, and we're just gonna have to live with that. We don't know who the Benders were. Their name almost certainly was not Bender. Again, we yeah. don't know. Mom, Paul probably were husband and wife in all likelihood. We don't know. Was Kate their daughter? Probably, maybe. Was John their son, their son-in-law, or just a criminal associate? Yeah. No idea. Absolutely no idea. Mm. At the time, though, they were this massive international story. 
So remember those stories we started with in episode one about those near misses? You remember the father of Ponziglione and those others who mm-hmm. went to the cabin? And did those really happen? Mm, you know, everybody seems to go and almost get killed by the benders. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. It's possible those were legend. But I have a question. Yeah. So the mom, Pa Bender, went and stayed with his sister yeah. at uh, one point. Did they ever question her? Uh, what are their real names? Are Kate I, and John their children? Same thing I thought of, too. And I, I, we I, don't know. I got to go back to the um, Hell's Half Acre, the book by Susan Genesis and Genesis, I think, which is a great book. Highly recommend a read and see if I don't think she was identified. She, the aunt, was identified because, yeah, she we would know who he was. Right. For sure. Not, but that wouldn't necessarily help us who Ma was exactly. Yeah. Because he married her. And, if it's and, true mm-hmm. that they tracked him to her, how did they do that? Because of the known relationship? Because. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They knew that she had that. Well, they know she's in St. Louis, Missouri. They knew that he had I don't a know. sister. Yeah, I don't know. So. Not sure. That would make me believe that. They knew her name. Yeah, and he his name probably yeah. really was John maybe, Bender, maybe it was right? Bond. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been John Bender, and maybe. Uh, and so it's possible Junior wasn't was more, maybe a son-in-law, or like I said, even a, right. not a biological not their son, yeah. or even just literally could literally just a criminal right. associate of this. Yeah. One source I read estimates that of all of the deaths and depredations that the Bender family conducted netted them a grand total of $4,600. It translates in, into about $300,000 in yeah. today's money. So it's not nothing. They also got a team of horses, a wagon, a pony, and a saddle. Because so, didn't they get $3,000-something from that one lady? Yeah, who, I think so. Who lived? They didn't kill her. Yeah, well, that one, yeah, they got $3,200 yeah. in cashier's checks. Although, I, I remember reading that she checked around with the German, the German consulate would... For a long time, check with banks and seeing if anybody had cash those checks and no one had, but it doesn't mean they couldn't have been uh, laundered somehow. Yeah. But anyway, 300000 bucks for the lives of at least 11 people, yeah. possibly more. The Benders became kind of these folk villains. And though, you know, Kate never could live in luxury the way she desired, she did become kind of outlaw famous like she wanted. The cabin at the time was torn apart by souvenir hunters within days. Wow. Even yeah. the bricks that lined the cellar with its grisly, blood-soaked uh, filth in it, yeah. all those bricks were taken. People are gross. Yeah. The benders were using advertisements, like this one for a store in Topeka, Kansas, that said, quote, it is hard to find the benders, but you can find all kinds of fruit <laughs> jars at Angles Drugstore. <laughs> That's classy, Angles. Oh, Lord. I hope it doesn't exist anymore. I'll leave you with this. The 152 acres left over of the bender spread, yeah. still in existence, it was recently sold on auction the land in whole, that's that's almost their entire settlement, their entire homestead. Yeah. It was auctioned off recently, and the agent handling the property, I don't know what he meant by this, but he said, you know what? As far as I know, there haven't been any recent excavations on the land. Hmm. I, I don't know this. I, I want to cast aspersions, but it almost seems like he's implying, you know, buy this land, uh-huh. and you might find some bodies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I, I'm, Maybe I'm being unfair. But that's how I took it to mean. So it's undeveloped land? It's just... I, yeah, I think it's been used huh. as a farm for the most part. Wow. And it's still out there and it just sold. I don't. I didn't read how much it sold for, but it just yeah. sold like, like a year or so ago. Huh. And that's all we know of the nice. bloody Bender's reign of terror and unfortunate disappearance. Yeah. I'm sure they met some horrible end. Probably. Probably the best case is they were 
killed. Yeah. Out in the frontier somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully in a very painful and uh, yeah. brutal I way. Mean, maybe they tried to mess with the wrong person. Let's hope. And never got know. a taste of their own medicine. You never know. Frank McPherson was sickeningly, became like a respectable businessman. And, really? Yeah, in Colorado. Wow. Disgusting. A yeah. psychotic murderer. Yeah. Well. Without any question. So, yeah. Nice one. He was, uh, his, and his family, he, like he was accused of another crime in Colorado, and his family just basically hired some hotshot lawyer and got him, you know, got him off just like. Just like nowadays. Oh, just like nowadays with, um, if you're rich. Yep. Yeah. Can do the crime and not do the time. Yep. Well, thanks, Dean. That's well, sure, a lot sure. of detail a <laughs> about, well, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I wanted to go years. beyond the normal yeah. story of just their horrific things they did and say, yeah. start with a, a, what led up to it and about them and then, yeah, the horrible story. But then also, that's why yeah. I did this part three here of yeah. uh, their, their outlaw days writing from the law for quite a while yeah. and never being caught, sadly. Well, thanks. Next week, we promise to have something a little bit more upbeat. Yes, we will. I promise. Don't know what it's going to be, but I'll work on it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See ya.